0: This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, on Backheel.com, with your hosts Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, at Backheel.com, Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson, with you, as always. Wow, we're finally, the silly summer season of silly matches is over. And this week, we tune in, we pull back in for the rest of the league schedule. And that's all that's left for for the Red Bulls. They have 15 league matches to go before the playoffs, and now is the time to start jockeying themselves into position. They're in a good position, don't get me wrong. They're fifth in the league in points per game, and they're third in the East with hundreds of matches in hand on the teams above them. It all starts in Philly this Saturday at 7 o'clock at MSG, a revenge match for sure. Tonight on Seeing Red, we're going to talk to Sean Davis, rookie, man of the match against Chelsea, the New York Red Bulls midfielder, homegrown player who gives a fantastic interview. And it is very, very difficult not to root for this kid. He, he's terrific, and we very much enjoyed our chat with him. We'll go over the new signings. Some have been announced. Some are on the verge of being announced. We'll have a brief preview of the Philadelphia match this weekend. It seems we play these guys every week. And then we will give, Dan and I, thanks to, with your help, we will give out the first annual mid-season awards on Seeing Red, and we asked fans on social media which categories we should give awards to, and then we'll give the awards themselves. And then we'll get to your calls and emails in our third segment. So there's a lot going on on Seeing Red. How are you, Dan? I'm doing all right, Mark. So, so many matches. Some that mattered, some that didn't. Many that didn't. Many that didn't, but the team played well in the matches that didn't particularly matter. Of course! So... The team beats Benfica last Sunday. Mike Grella makes the number one Sports Center play of the night with his chip goal to give New York a two to one win, and uh, and then it's all star time. Uh, and then players start signing left, right, and center. Sean Wright Phillips, thank goodness that Bradley got married in the states and not in the UK, because Sean Wright Phillips is a red bull.
1: He is. And I, I don't think anybody is terribly surprised, given that he spent a month and a half in training um, <laughs> after the wedding and, you know, had been lingering. And there were talks about contract negotiations and things like that. But, you know, it's a good piece of business that they can bring somebody who was in the Premier League last year. I don't think he played very much for QPR, but he was certainly there um, on a non-DP contract. And it sounds like he's pretty versatile from what we were hearing this evening.
0: If you were asked, would you please bring in an English national team player that scored six goals for England, I think most fans would say, yes, I would like to have one of those, please. And then if you're told, oh, and, it's, uh, and the player will not be brought in under a DP contract, as you mentioned, I, I would say that's very shrewd and savvy by Red Bull management. And that uh, definitely is the case. Sean Wright Phillips, 33 years old, He's three years older than his brother Bradley, and he will, as you said, he's integrated into the team. He's been working out for fitness while he was negotiating with the club, and he very well should see his debut, at least off the bench, uh, at Philadelphia at PPL Park this weekend. So certainly adds the speed, speed on the left, speed on the right, Bradley up top. It's uh, it's enticing. It is. And, you know, to the the point about him training, it,
1: it's actually, I, I don't want to know, <laughs> I'm unclear if it's fortuitous or just, you know, good planning, but getting him six weeks of training, you know, he should be ready right. to go at this point. And you look at acquisitions like Andrea Pirlo or Didier Drogba where, you know, they're going to take some time to ramp up. They, they, you know, you announce the signing and it's going to be... Weeks later, that you see them take the field, you know it, he could play in, in the city of brotherly love. Well, what yeah, could and, be better? And
0: how appropriate! Yes, well done. I think you had the list of brothers that had played in MLS. Is it the tenth pair of brothers that have played in MLS? Tenth pair of brothers
1: no. that are on the same team in MLS okay. at the same time. Okay. Okay. I had somebody accuse me of not including De and Kakan. I had to point out. <laughs> I was not actually on the team. Yeah, well, and barely, barely was either.
0: Yeah, there you Anyhow. go. Of course, that's not the only big name, because Gonzalo Verón, if you have not been following, appears to be on the verge of signing a DP contract with the Red Bulls. Who, uh, you may ask, is Gonzalo Verón? Currently playing at San Lorenzo. He's been there since 2012 in Argentina. Obviously, uh, Buenos Aires native. Um Eight goals in 52 appearances since 2012 with San Lorenzo. He is 25 years old. And when you talk about what the kind of model DP in this league for a team like Red Bulls, who quote-unquote is a small market team now, if you didn't know, who's about to drop $2 million uh, in theory to bring this guy in. Um, it's young, certainly younger than some of the aged 30-somethings playing at other clubs. He is uh, skilled. I urge you to go online and find his his highlight reel because it is superlative, as most highlight reels are. And Verone is a player that can play in the center. He can play on the left. He, can, he was playing on the right for San Lorenzo, the Pope's team. So there's that. And this all the all the reports coming uh, out of national soccer presses that this will be going down. And so for all the fans out there that were eh, concerned, upset, wondering whether or not anyone would come and help, the notion that this could be the central attacking mid, the The mythical RG number 10, although he certainly doesn't play that right now, this could be, uh, but younger, coming to play for the Red Bulls. And it's, it, it, as a Red Bulls fan, you have to salivate because when you think about the way this team is playing, I mean, Question is a terrific player and he's had some nice goals for the team and made some nice impacts, but he's not a number 10. And he's kind of filling that role. This is a guy that could be all that and, and more for New York.
1: Could be. And, you know, I with players like this, I have to turn to legitimate uh, scouting databases like the FIFA 15 player career stats. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes, And yes. I see, you know, his, his stats are good and there's potential. But the the two things that are standing out is that he has an acceleration of 92 and a sprint speed of 90, which in FIFA 15 is pretty damn fast. So... Um, that attack is going to get even speedier, as you mentioned before.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about uh, making the high press work, that is definitely something that um, is going to be even higher and faster and more intense with with Verone on the team. Again, not signed yet, but all arrows are certainly pointing in this direction, and that, that is a development... That could uh, I, I tell you that Max Bredos, uh was very very fond of this signing and pretty much said, well they're, they're the team to beat now. And of course, it's way way early uh, to say anything like that. But you've got to feel good about where the team is. And when you think about the, the the matches that the team has left to play in its last 15 games, the Red Bulls will play Chicago three times. Chicago, who is at the bottom of all of MLS. They have two games against Montreal and Didier Drogba. The first one coming on August 5th, and Drogba might not be ready to go by then. Two games against TFC, uh, and obviously they're a very dangerous team, and Giovinco. Um, Orlando at home. <laughs> this week's match against Philly, and then at Philly, and then another match in late October. Obviously the 8-9 match against uh, New York Blue, New England away, D.C. at home, Columbus at home, and the trip to Portland. And that's it. And so New York is going to have uh, quite a few matches against teams that are below them in the standings. And with improvements, and yes, teams have made improvements all across the league, don't get me wrong. Lots of teams have really stepped up and invested a considerable amount of money in making their teams better. But uh, for where it stands now on July 30th, you have to feel decent about New York as a playoff team. You do.
1: You definitely do. And, uh, it's going to be an interesting stretch run with that, that group of teams. Um, I'm particularly worried about Chicago, given this team's pain at, uh, Toyota Park. Mm. I can never remember which of the.
0: Toyota Park. Yes. Toyota
1: Park. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, it gives, certainly Chicago's languishing at the bottom of the East. So chance to pick up some more points and we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out.
0: Of course, it all kicks off on Saturday evening at PPL Park, and there's certainly been a ton of discussion of late as to whether or not the Philadelphia Union, after coming in and beating New York in a regular season match and then outlasting them in a penalty shootout in the Open Cup, whether or not Philadelphia is a rival. And I said on this here show a couple of weeks ago, when, when you do that, right, the, 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 an opponent only becomes a rival once they uh, once they hit you in the face a few times, because in a one-sided series between two clubs, there's not a whole lot of rivalry. Well, let me tell you something. I really believe that this is the year that Philadelphia has become a rivalry. Disagree with me if you like. Um, one really uh, nice thing, if you want to say nice, for the Red Bulls is that they're not going to have to face uh, Vincent Nogueira, who apparently. Pulled uh, a, a hamstring in Philadelphia's demolition at the hands of DC United, where they raced out to a two nothing lead and then lost three to two. And Noguera has killed the Red Bulls this year with a goal, at least uh, a goal and one assist in the two matches between the two teams. So, yes, Philadelphia does have a new signing, and that is uh, they have a Swiss. World Cup veteran, whose name I am pulling up as we speak. I believe his first name is Tranquilo? Tranquilo. He's very calm. Hold on. The biggest club signing in history, Tranquilo Barnetta, is a 30-year-old Swiss midfielder, number 10, that should be ready to go. He doesn't. Jim Curtin doesn't think Barretta will start after so much travel, but he should see some minutes at PPL. And uh, certainly uh, he'll help... Uh, ease the problem that Philadelphia had with all of their um with, with Nogueira's absence but you know it's his first game in MLS i'm sure it's going to be a rough awakening you know you've got the Red Bulls and it'll be interesting to hear what Sean Davis says about this match because i think they they definitely feel undone uh in these two matches against Philly they felt like they uh not exactly the Philly stole them, but New York statistically had the better of both of the games and should have come up with two victories. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. So before we get to midseason awards, I'm curious as your thoughts on what might go down Saturday night at PPL Park, Dan.
1: Uh, I think that the team is motivated enough and and feeling it enough. You know, normally those games at PPL are wildly one direction or the other. I I remember the three nothing win at the end of the 2012 season. I remember the two or three nothing loss last year mid year, which you know got everybody into a a lather. So I'm I'm gonna call it three one Red Bulls. I, I I think they're gonna get up for this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call it a 2 nothing Red Bulls win. I think New York is going to take it from moment one, and I think you're going to see Sean Wright Phillips play in this match. And an interesting point that we did not mention earlier, uh, Mike Grello was told and reported by our friend Eric Giacometti, uh, Grello was apparently told that left wing is his position to lose. So I don't think we're going to see Sean Wright Phillips start against Philly. Um, and good for Grella because he's going to go and have his opportunity to make a case in training that he remains to hold on to that role. I have no problem with Grella coming off the bench and providing a late spark with a half hour to play because we've all kind of seen what he can do, the best uh, the best investment in MLS this season. But I think 2 nothing. I think New York has realized that this team has become a bogey team of theirs, and they're going to want to punish them from the opening whistle. And the key is how to unlock, um, how to prevent, rather, the counters that have been killing them, and should Philly start to bunker, how to be able to break it, because they're clearly in two matches, they haven't been able to do it. But nevertheless, I think it's going to be 2 nothing win for New York. Okay, that said, I'm very excited about this feature. It's time for... The first ever, Seeing Red Mid-Season Awards, and the best part is the fans have chosen the the categories in which we will give these awards. So you guys were incredible. We put out the call on Facebook and Twitter earlier today, and you guys responded with some fantastic categories. So maybe what we can do is uh, I'll start. I'll read the award. Who suggested the award? I'll read my choice, and then, Dan, you'll read your choice, and then you'll read the second award, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Starting off, the... 2015 Sing Red Midseason Award is the Thierry Henry Award for Best Golazzo. This is suggested by Miguel Nunez, friend of the show. Mine, for me, is Mike Grella's goal against Columbus, the chip uh, against Columbus early in the season. And it, it, it's good not only because it was a Golazzo but because it's signaled to the rest of the league that Mike Grella is going to be a player to watch, um, that he has the cojones to try, amazing shots, um, he has individual flair on the field. Not a perfect player by any stretch, but it's signaled that he's uh, going to be someone to watch. And your best Galazzo, please. I
1: actually left Mike Grella out of this because of our next award, which we'll get to. Yeah, that's charity, fine. But uh, I'm going to give it to Sasha at Orlando. Um, similar shot in that he's just trying stuff, but it was such a laser into the top corner that uh, you have to respect that. I like it. And so moving on,, uh, yes. the next one will be the Grelladini Award for most amazing Mirella goal. This was suggested by two people, uh, Matt at Metro's 96 and Adam Herman. and my choice, uh, given a, a wide array of Mirella goals, was the one against Benfica because that that's just insane.
0: It was insane, and uh, we're we're trying not to repeat uh, responses and answers. award uh, answers here, so I'm going to give mine. I I acknowledge the Benfica goal was terrific, but uh, the runner-up for me was Grella's goal at Houston on June 5th when the Red Bulls sadly end up losing. Took the defender on, took the pass from Bradley, took his defender on -on one-on-one, beats him and beats Derek, and then as a close third, his finisher at Orlando late in the game found the energy, broke down two defenders, and slotted it home pass tally. Hall to to ice the victory for New York. Okay. Brian Kremkaw has suggested the we're sad to have to give this award for best Bradley Wright Phillips PK Miss <laughs> Yikes. When you miss three PKs in a season, in, in in the span of a few games, you get an award name for you. For me, it was the first one against Vancouver because it, that was the one that clearly set his PK mojo off in the space, and uh, he hasn't converted one yet.
1: I, I'm going to have to go against Philly, even though it's in a shootout, and I don't know if we can really count that as a... Regular penalty kick, but that was the only one that was a miss. It wasn't even on frame, and granted, the two against Vancouver were not particularly well placed, but at least had David Oosted dived the other way, he would have missed it. It would have counted. Anyhow. Okay. uh, Moving on to the Creative Number 10 Award for Best Assist, as suggested by At C. Rotondi. I'm giving mine to the team assist to Lloyd Sam against the Revs, the second goal. I think there were four or five passes. Sam did that nice check back mm-hmm. to avoid the mm-hmm. offside flag. You know, it was in the middle of that 40 of three goals to start the game, but it was it was beautiful.
0: Fantastic. Mine goes to Sam over the top to Bradley, the first match against NYCFC. It set the stage. It came early in the game. It set the stage, the first goal in this history of this series, and Sam got to the end line curled it back and Bradley was able to nod it in past Saunders and I thought that was the perfect way to start uh, what should be an amazing rivalry in MLS okay next the Babe Ruth award for being most likely to be loaned to NYCFC, and that's by our friend Brian Murray Um, I I, both Dan and I agree on who the, the player that would be most likely now this is past Ryan Mara mind you um, and horrifically, my answer would be our guest tonight, Sean Davis, who by no means is ever going to get loaned to NYCFC. <laughs> but, but given the, uh, the the richness of our left wing, Dan, who is your uh, your, your player? Salizzo,
1: which would only be extra ironic because the team got him permanently in re- response yes. for loaning Ryan Meara in the first place. That's it right. It's pretty hilarious. Anyhow, uh, our next one, which I, I, I should note that I Gave the little designations as to the award name for yes. the word for, so blame me for this one. But this is the Mike Petke Award for most likely to be sitting in the South Ward in 2016. Also from Brian Murray. Uh, Mine mm. was Mario Sobikop because uh, I just – I don't see him going up or down at this point. It's
0: yes. sort of there. He is uh, way down the depth chart. For me, assuming we can hold on to Kamar Lawrence for one more year, I think it's Roy Miller would be most likely to be sitting in the South Ward in 2016. I think he'd get a warm welcome. He certainly wouldn't get a Mike, Mike Petke welcome, but I think he would, he would get a nice welcome. Okay, next. Also from Brian Murray. Well done, Brian. The Tim Rehm Award for being most likely to be in the EPL in 2016. Now, we've talked about the young players on the team and the ones most likely to move on. Uh, I put mine on young Matt Miazga because I think that New York is going to capitalize when the value is the highest, and I think you will see him. Eh, he looks like a Stoke defender for me, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe it's it's the stripes. I just see him working you, out You there. didn't want to say Swansea? Come on. Uh, we had a week off. <laughs> we, we did, we did. We did. We uh, got I'm going to go again. for Kamar
1: Lawrence only because I think he was a little more visible because of the, the run with Jamaica at Cup America. Um, and, you know, he, he, he may be more motivated to move than Mianzka at this point. But we'll see. All right. Hopefully neither. Uh, yes. The next award is the on a Long Term Award for Most Improved Slash Redeemed Player. Uh, this was a combined suggestion from Brian Murray and Scott and I, we appear to be in agreement, Mark. We've both got yes. Matt and Meowska down. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: knowing where he was at the end of last season, where he was kind of thrown into the fire, certainly made some mistakes, but the mistakes have been very few and far between this year, and uh, it's so much improvement year over year. It's, it's really unbelievable. Okay, many people thought about this one. The Joey Styles Award for biggest surprise of the year for me... It's uh, it's got to be it's got to be Grella. I mean, this was a guy that ha- had kicked around the NASL. The Cosmos didn't take him, and here we go, lighten it up for the Red Bull. So uh, the the best deal f- forever uh, on this team for now. So uh, total respect for the Grella pick.
1: I'm actually going to give mine to Damian Perinell. Mm. You know, this is a player who quietly came in last year, didn't get a lot of minutes, and everybody thought. He's a waste, and you pair him with Miazga, and he's been lights out. He, Francophone du mois for what three months running? <laughs> you you got to respect that, too. Absolutely. Uh, coming up next, the Familiar Feeling Award for Biggest Disappointment, also from Brian Murray. Uh, I had to think about this long and hard and, and had to balance this against the number of awards we're giving to certain players because I don't want to beat a particular injured defender into the ground uh so i'm I'm gonna give it to Sasha only because he was the big <laughs> signing in the off season, and he's been good, but for all not of the high, not the he, big player, he was, yeah. not, he was not the the one true one to lead this team to salvation. I've got one word for you
0: zuba I mean, the guy just he's hurt he's hurt all the time, had a great open cup goal and forty four great minutes in week one, but he's getting paid a lot of bank and uh, I'm sure he's a lovely guy I'm sure he's a terrific guy but the minutes just aren't there then that's disappointing for me okay if you're on Twitter you will appreciate Matt Kremkov suggests the Settle Down Cavello Award for best fan overreaction moment of the season for me this is a group think award for why won't we side anyone Austria doesn't love us they're not going to get us any help except for seemingly a 33-year-old uh, English national team vet and perhaps an Argentine 25-year-old number 10. So, yeah. Okay, and you, Dan?
1: Uh I'm going to give it to Miazga's trip over to Qatar to train with Leipzig, which spawned round after round of, oh, my God, they're stealing our star defender. Why would they do this to us? Uh, we shouldn't be doing those voices, but yes, you know, it was a training stint, and maybe they're interested, but... Settle down, yes. everybody. That's not Dan Settle down.
0: Settle down.
1: Moving on to the day-to-day award for worst injury. And, again, Mark, I think we're in, in agreement. It, it has to be Chris Duvall at this point. Yeah, that,
0: that Hunter Gorski is off the holiday card list of the Cosmos. Not cool. Duvall, from what I understand, uh, is already back rehabbing and trying to speed up his return to the team. Uh, but, yeah, that was Uggers. Okay, the retweet award for the best Twitter parody account Suggested by Evil Jesse Marsh on Twitter, who is not that evil. Uh, for me, and I, this is, comes close to home, a close personal friend, is actually Terry Henry Renat, who continues to support this team on a regular basis, despite the fact that his namesake is uh, overseas doing lots of TV Oh, no, he's
1: work. not with the team, so it's no That's right. There you go. Uh, mine is going to go to Hans Baca, who has returned to form this year, following the unpleasantness in January. Um, so kudos in HB. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next up is the Baby Bowl Award for NYRB2 MVP, suggested by Larissa. Uh, I had to look through and, and sort it through, <laughs> and there's a lot of young guys coming up that I could you know point to that I, I know will be big in the future but maybe aren't big right now. But after considering everything, I'm going to give it to Santiago Castaño. Um, he is averaging 4.21 saves per game for the Baby Bowl. So that's a pretty good performance for a goalkeeper.
0: For sure, and the fact that the Baby Bulls are actually in playoff position for the USL. They're r- winding down their schedule, and uh, I'm going to give mine to, to 16-year-old Tyler Adams, who is showing well for the team, and oh, by the way, scored on Chelsea. So you score on Chelsea, you get the Baby Bull award. Sounds That's good. how it works for me. The taxi award for Best Kamar from Tom Faust, friend of the show. Best Kamar. Well, for me, I like alliteration, so it's Kamar Question. That would be my best. I like the
1: third lesser-known brother, Kamar
0: Wright-Phillips. Very nice. Very nice. Which is a good
1: segue into another Tom Foss special, the MVWP Award for Most Valuable Wright-Phillips. I've got Bradley, for now at least.
0: Yes, I, I like the B in BWP. It's hard to say since the S hasn't played a minute. Kind of like the commissioner's pick here. It was very be very hard to give Sean Wright-Phillips the most valuable Wright-Phillips award before we actually see him on the field. Okay, the One Sumetro Award for Favorite Jason R.B.N.Y. Video of the Season, suggested by Eric Friedlander. And if you are not following Jason R.B.N.Y., you are missing out on Comedy Gold. And over the weekend, it was actually just the other night, uh jason released a, a an o- oscar tribute it was the in memoriam video that they play at the oscars but instead of actors who passed away this year it was philadelphia union goalkeepers and so i urge you to find this it's incredibly well edited with actors crying and music and polite applause it's a it's it's, it's a must-see
1: I'm gonna to have to watch that. Uh, for me, it's the the edited intro to Dallas before the FC Dallas game, which was just really inspired and lovely.
0: So please go check it yes, out, folks. Good stuff.
1: Coming up next, the Who Award for best Dave Martinez moment on Seeing Red, also suggested by Eric Friedlander. Uh, I'm gonna give mine not to when he called into the live show, which was funny, but there was a week where both Mark and I were unavailable and decided, well, we're we're just not gonna be able to tape this week. Schedules didn't work. And Dave was like, okay. And then out of the blue, he tapes, <laughs> the show. he tapes a 25-minute show by himself and runs it and interviews Eric Giacometti on it. That was that was Eric's debut episode. So um, well done, Dave. Show up when yeah, nobody's I, around.
0: I, I don't know who that is, so <laughs> I, I don't know who to give that award to. The Blue Ball Award for Best NYC FC Diss. This is coming to us from HCSVD on Twitter. For me, it was when they dissed themselves when the third rail hung their banner upside down at Red Bull Arena. It, I mean, guys, I know you're new at this, but look at the banner first before you try to hang They it.
1: had one job. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm going to give it to Matt Miaska's goal celebration because what really on the field, it, it's not going to be better than Matt this year, but we'll see. yeah. No. Uh, coming up next, the scoreboard award for best team in New York based on wins and losses, table position, etc. From Isaac Krasny, uh, you know you got to give it to the Cosmos. Nope, kidding, <laughs> kidding, kidding, <laughs>
0: kidding. The answer is the Kings of New York soccer, the New York Red Bulls. New York is red. The hater award for biggest rival from Rob G, and I said it earlier on the show. It's Philly. Two wins at Red Bull Arena that were statistical aberrations. Uh, New York has got a pound Philly not just once but twice. They play them twice more, at least twice more this season, and it's got to hurt. Sir?
1: I'm going to have to give it to the blue team, Mark. You know, the the results have been lopsided, I will give you that, but the 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 experience and the atmosphere at those two games, that that's unlike anything else I've dealt with since I came back to MLS. So, you know, it it still needs history on the field and it'll come, but that that was instant rivalry, juice for me.
0: Yeah, electric. Yeah, uh,
1: coming up next, the Expendables award for most likely to be quote unquote adjusted to free up an international slot from Larissa. Uh, mm. I've got Roy Miller because with so many left back options, when Kamar Lawrence is back and healthy, and assuming we hold on to him, uh, I just don't. The the longest tenured Red Bull may not be tenured for much longer, in my opinion. How about you?
0: Yeah, for me, it's it's Zuba. I think you got to. It might be time to just cut bait. Yeah. So, the "Are you kidding me?" award for best call by Shep. This is from Aki Aurora. For me, it's anytime Shep said that is. Sh- I can't. I'm not even going to try and do it. Shep messing front of the show. That is shambolic defending, <laughs> which uh, we haven't seen too much from New York this year. But uh, everyone's, I, get, I think against Houston, there was some shambolic defending a okay. lot.
1: I, unfortunately, don't get to watch a lot of games on MSG because I'm normally at the You're there, and they haven't get yeah. had many broadcasts this year. But um, I, I do recall Grella's closing goal in the 4-1 win over the Cosmos where he called him unbelievable this year, which uh, Arlo White famously once said that the the one word they're not allowed to say on NBC broadcast is unbelievable because it means you cannot believe the thing that you, you just saw.
0: cannot believe
1: it. It just happens. It is, you need to believe no. it. So, yes. Uh, moving on to the Welcome to RBNY Award for Best Almost Signing Rumor That Never Came to Be from multiple people. Uh, I'm going to give it to Chicharito, which was just this weird insertion into Orlando and maybe a couple other teams chasing after Chicharito. It was just like, yeah, New York's in the mix. And then he said nobody was. So.
0: For me, it's people that saw Zlatan at Red Bull Arena where he was playing with his team, Paris Saint-Germain, and then naturally connected that to, well, they're just going to leave him there, right? PSG isn't getting rid of Zlatan anytime soon, so I think the notion of Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming to the Red Bulls is uh, a bit of a pipe dream. The Arts and Crafts Award for the Best Game Day Match Poster. Tony suggested this. Uh, And these Match Day posters, I think, have been really a nice addition to spice up um, the fan experience if you get into the stadium early enough. I personally like the one against RSL, which had a VHS copy of the Lamenga Cup victory from 2004 in it. I thought that was awesome and wonderful. Uh
1: I, I had a couple that I liked. The uh the Colorado one was the most artful one I saw with the supporter with the scarf over his face and the, the clenched fists and everything cheering.
2: That that mm. one was
1: really nice, but taking in history and everything else. The 1000 goals one they did uh, to celebrate Grello chipping the hell out of Steve Clark uh, was was particularly nice and poignant.
0: Yes, we're almost at the end, yep. folks. Just
1: five more. <laughs> five more. The Dave Martinez Award for Unavailable Player of the Midseason from Jeff Shalom. Uh, Zubar? Yeah, Zubar.
0: For sure. The There's No Reason Award for the Fail of the Midseason. Now, the loss at Houston was one thing, but losing 2 nothing to Philly at home for the first time ever on May 24th was... Uh, I, I, that's what I said before the game. There's no
1: reason to lose,
0: and I still can't believe
1: they and did. And I'm going to give it to losing that home to Philly in the 4 p.m. matinee in the Open Cup, because there was no reason to schedule it in such a way. Anyhow, forget it.
0: we have being that mm-hmm. into
1: the ground. Uh, the Rafa Marquez Award for Player We Love to Hate. This is from Tony. I'm going to give it to Felipe. The guy gets a crazy amount of hate for a player that, if you look at the stat charts, is generating a lot of key passes and chances a game.
0: So I don't, yeah. I don't quite get it. Yeah, he might be the one, frankly, that um, that's going to be the odd man out should Veron come into uh, midfield. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Miller. He, he's lost his job. He scored for Costa Rica. Can't we leave him alone? Can't we leave Roy Miller alone, please? Never. The Brian Nielsen Award for Least Valuable Player. This comes from Chris M. And while he's playing very well for Red Bulls, too, Santi Castaño is, in fact, a New York Red Bulls player who uh, has been on the team for a number of years and has really yet to see any meaningful minutes. So um, I I love you, Santi, and I'm rooting for you all the best uh, with the Colombian national team. But uh, uh, there's not a lot of contribution here.
1: I'm going to give it to Zubar only because his salary is so much higher than Santi's. And as far as I know, he's still over in France just rehabbing his knee and taking Instagram photos. So Mm. um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And to close out, the, there's only one award for MVP, which came from a bunch of people. Um, I was torn, Mark, because your choice is very good, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give it to Lloyd Sam. Uh, Lloyd has been the unsung hero as long as he's been on this team. Um, when he's on the field, the attack clicks and is dangerous. And when he's not, they falter. So full respect to your choice, but for me, it's
0: Sam. There's only one New York Red Bulls all-star, and that is the captain, Dax McCarty, who not only has not yet been mentioned in a host of amazing mid-season awards, <laughs> but Dax is the heart and soul of the team. I agree. It's an offensive threat. Um Lloyd Sam has been terrific, but to be brutally honest with you here, it's really all about Dax and what he brings. He's leading by example. He, uh, he showed well during the All-Star Game, and he is, uh, he's a friend of the show, and he's terrific. So we hope you enjoyed our lengthy first-ever Seeing Red Red Bulls mid-season awards. When we're back after this, we've got Sean Davis of the New York Red Bulls. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson. Got a first-time Red Bull for you tonight. Tonight's guest, a member of the New York Red Bulls under-18 team, a four-year standout at Duke University, a homegrown player who dropped two goals on Chelsea in the International Champions Cup and then jetted off to the homegrown game where he played a half under Landon Donovan. It's Sean Davis. Sean, welcome to Seeing Red. Thank you so
2: much. I'm really excited.
0: We are also excited that you were able to join us. So let's go way back. I know somewhere on social media there's a photograph of you wearing a Metro Stars jersey when you were a wee lad. So talk to us about your childhood supporting the club and then the opportunity to play for the club.
2: Yeah, so a little uh, background on that picture. Um, My parents signed me up for every rec sport. Uh, A lot of players seem to share that same uh, storyline, but my parents signed me up for just about every rec sport. And that year, um, my mom was the coach and she chose Metro stars, the, the hometown team, I guess. And, um, I'm really happy we got that picture because it's really a gem, And, and I love, uh, looking at that. It reminds me of uh great times um, when I was a young kid. So, um, I had to post that when I, when I joined the team, it was kind of like I said in the tweet, it's kind of destiny, but, um, yeah, I, re- I remember supporting the team from a very young age, going to games at giant stadium, playing on the field, um, at halftime, playing on the field, uh, even on tournaments on the weekend. So I, it was a huge deal for me when I was young to to be able to go to Giant Stadium and play games there with with my local club team. So it takes back um, pretty far. But, uh, yeah, luckily things went really well. I joined the the academy when I was in high school, um, stayed in touch with them throughout college, and unfortunately and everything fell into place and, and I couldn't be happier to be with the club. Sean,
1: as you mentioned, you came through the academy, but you also spent uh, your, you know, your time at Duke. What did it mean to you to finish college before turning pro? Because a lot of guys who come through uh, academy programs end up joining a little earlier than that.
2: Yeah, I would say that every situation is different. Um, you know, for me personally, I wasn't ready to go pro out of high school. Um, you know, there was some talk about it, but. I just felt like I wasn't ready. And on top of that, my, my mom and dad were very big on me going to school and getting my degree. And I figured um, once I went to school, I would finish up. So that was my thought going into it. And once I went to Duke, it uh, just was an incredible place that I'm, I'm extremely fond of. And and my experience was fantastic. So um, it wasn't too difficult. You know, the right situation wasn't uh, presenting itself at the time. Anyway, um, I still needed I feel like I needed all those seasons to really um develop as a player and as a person, so um you know to finish with with my degree, it kind of takes some pressure off of, of off of myself um when I think about my professional career and how far I want to take it um It's kind of a coping me- mechanism in that sense, but um you know now I can fully focus on soccer i um you know that's all I think about all day and and I couldn't be happier about that.
0: Sean, there's some interesting ACC rivalries going on in that locker room with Dax, of course, and Chris coming from Wake Forest. Do you yeah. guys get into it when it's uh, college soccer, basketball, football season?
2: Yeah, no. Uh, you know, I am still need to go through my uh, my first college soccer season with the guys, but I'm sure it'll be pretty intense. Um, but yeah, you have Dax, you have Chris Duvall, and you have uh, Manolo Sanchez, all guys who went to ACC school, so... Um, it definitely comes up a lot, uh, more than you probably even think. Um, unfortunately, you know, Duke didn't do extremely well while I was there, but, um, you know, we beat Wake a couple times and we went unbeaten against, um, pretty much all those teams. So it makes it a little easier for me to, for for me to deal with the criticism from them, but, um, it's definitely intense and, uh, I, I can't wait for the college season to roll around because, you know, I love Duke. I love supporting them, and and they're definitely going to hear it.
1: Uh, Sean, we you know having since we cover the team so much, we see these busy weeks. But the the last week and a half that you've had, I I think may have been the busiest of any player I've ever seen. So we're we're going to start at the U.S. Open Cup game. You were on the bench. You had to watch 120 minutes in a penalty shootout. What what were your emotions Great. going through that game?
2: Yeah, that was, uh, that was really difficult for everyone involved because, you know, dating back to to preseason, that was one of our main goals to, to be successful in the open cup and, and win that cup. And unfortunately, and obviously we, that didn't happen. So, um, you know, that took a lot out of the group and, and the guys really put everything into it. And, you know, I was actually expecting to, to play a part in that game, but, um, you know, the red card kind of changed the, the outlook of the game and um you know when they scored it we needed more attacking subs so um it kind of threw a wrench in the plans in that sense but then you know we had a we had a quick turnaround and we had to get ready for chelsea the next night which was um another big game but um you know going into that chelsea game i just wanted to really uh help the team out in any way that i can and you know i'm a guy that seen a little bit more first team experience than some of the other guys that were playing that night so i knew that um I felt some responsibility, and and I really wanted to step up uh, for the club in general, just to kind of for move on from that open cup game, which which like I said was was pretty devastating. So um, yeah, really intense two days. You know, you don't really have games back to back like that, um, but fortunately everything worked out with the Chelsea game, um, and and we moved on from from that Philly loss.
0: Yeah, Sean, talk to us a little bit about the locker room before the Chelsea match. It was evident to anyone who follows the team closely, maybe not casual observers, that the match was going to be Red Bulls 2, basically, taking right. on the Premier League champions. So how did Jesse pull you guys together in the locker room? What kind of advice did he give you, uh, sending you out against Chelsea?
2: Yeah, no, I think, um, Jesse handled it just like any other game, just like the open cup game before, the night before, um, with a lot of intensity and he was very focused. And, you know, something that I think the team should be really proud of is that we stuck to the system and Jesse had a lot of confidence in us to, to stick to that system and get the job done. So I was really proud of all the guys for coming together and, um, you know, regardless of whether they're playing for Red Bull 2 or the first team, those guys, those guys came in and worked extremely hard and, um, you know, it was just a great game and the chemistry was definitely there. And I think that's a, that's a big plus of, of that, uh, USL team that we have is that, um, you know, from even a personal standpoint, I'm extremely close to everyone that was on the field and made things a lot easier. We knew that we were in that game together and that we were going to have each other's backs and, and we were going to find a way to get the job done.
1: Sean, you had two goals inside of five minutes. You won man of the match honors. Um, but was it a little odd playing inside Red Bull Arena but having it full of Chelsea supporters instead of Red Bull fans?
2: Yeah, I think that made everything a little sweeter, you know, when you start hear, hearing them chant Chelsea in your own stadium. Um it definitely uh, riled me up a little bit. I think that's the right the right word to use there. Um it it pushed us, it motivated us, it it inspired us really and um you know for fans to come into our stadium and root for the other team, it just didn't feel right. So um, I think that definitely motivated the guys on the field, and, and you could see that by the, the performance. There's a lot of energy from our group, and we came out pretty strong. And obviously we dealt with some tough moments during the game. They they had chances. They're Chelsea, but um, I felt like we dealt with everything really well. And um, the guys shrew- guy showed a lot of character. And, and when I scored the two goals, I think that was probably the best part is that, Um, people kind of turned to us and and started supporting us more throughout the game. So uh, that momentum shift was was really nice. That's that's terrific.
0: Then on Sunday, you came on in the second half as the team knocked off Benfica. Talk to us about Mike Grella for a minute. Is he crazy or brilliant to try shots like that at that place in the field?
2: Yeah, no, I think Mike is, as you guys can tell, um, he's been doing it since preseason. He's an incredible player. Um, and the more comfortable he's gotten with the group, you know, the more confidence he's had, the, the, you know, better he's gotten. And so now you, you guys are starting to see, uh, the Mike Grella that we get to see in practice every day. And he's just a great guy in the locker room, a great player, a really humble guy that, that's going to work hard for the team on, on both sides of the ball. And so, um, you know, I really appreciate Mike's game. Mike's game, he brings, uh, something different to, to the team. He's very creative and he finds a way to, to create chances and score ridiculous goals like we saw on uh, on that Sunday.
1: And then Shauna was off to Colorado. You played forty five minutes in the homegrown game. I, lots of lots of minutes over the last week and a half. How was that experience? How was Colorado?
2: Uh, it was unbelievable. I'm really really lucky to be part of that that event and um, those those few days were really fun. Um, you know, I flew immediately after um, after the. Benfica game I flew the next morning and it was a little longer flight than I expected. I think it was similar to a flight, uh, to Seattle. So it was a little long, but, uh, when I got there, uh, the guys were great. It was, I think the best part was being able to share experiences with other homegrown players too. Um, you know, we all have very similar stories, but we've also faced very unique obstacles, um, in each of our own journeys. So I think that was probably like the best part is, is hearing, um, you know, different perspectives on clubs and their uh, personal situations and what's worked and what hasn't. And I really enjoyed that aspect. And then, um, you know, having a, a great coaching staff with, you know, players like uh, – or former players like Landon Donovan and Pat Noonan, that was that was really kind of mind-blowing for me. And, you know, when I stepped on the field, I was just thinking to myself, I can't let these guys down. They're, they're legends. So, um, you know, I just tried to make the most of it. It's always difficult when you – when you throw guys together for a game, you know, we barely trained together. We didn't. We trained for a little bit. I hopped off the plane and we trained, but we didn't even have the full group. So that makes it a little challenging, and I think you could see that in the play. Um, it, it took us a little while to, to get some rhythm, and Sarah played at Club America. They they were great, um, and they played really well. So it was a great game, a great experience, and, and like you said, another chance to get minutes, which is, you know, crucial for a, for a player like me. It's just another experience I can put under my belt.
0: Now, obviously, Sean, the team has added another Sean. Sean Wright right. Phillips signed uh, w- while you were f- jetting all over the place. officially joins the team. He's been in camp for a number of weeks. What can Red Bulls fans uh, f- expect when when eventually uh, Sean takes the field for New York?
2: Yeah, first and foremost, he's an, he's an awesome guy, just like his brother. They're extremely humble, um, awesome guys to have in the locker room, guys that you can uh, that are really approachable and you can really talk to about anything. You know, he shared some great experiences with me about his Chelsea and Man City career. So um he has a lot of insight. There's a lot that, that players like myself, the younger guys can learn from him. So first and foremost, just a great guy. Um, I think the fans will really appreciate that. And then as a player, he's just so quick and, and smart with the ball that, um, you know, again, it brings a, a different, another, uh, another dimension to our team. So, you know, he's a guy that I think can, can make a difference right away. And, like you said, he's been with the group for almost a, or a little over a month now, I think. So um, you know, he's kind of assimilated into the group, and he he looks really comfortable in practice. So I can't wait to see how he does with the league, and I know he'll do extremely well and and we're really uh, re- really excited to have him.
1: Now, Sean, one of the things that first year pros tend to suffer with is that the MLs season is so long got so many games, you know, conditions, travel, all of that. How can you as a rookie stay sharp uh, in your first year?
2: Yeah, it's definitely a long year just because, um, you know, I can't really um, remember the last time I had a break uh, with the college season. And that's not just me, obviously. That's a bunch of the young guys. But, um, you know, I still feel really sharp. I feel really focused, uh, really determined. And um, for me, I just try to take it day by day. And every day I can get better. Every day I can learn from... Um, the veterans on the team, guys that are in, um, those starting spots. So, um, you know, I haven't even, it doesn't even feel long at all. It feels like everything's flying by. I can't believe that it's almost August. So, um, I don't think I'll have that issue, to be honest. Uh, maybe in a couple months, like you said, uh, I can't really predict how, how, how I will feel then. Um, but, but for right now, I feel really good and, and, um, you know, I'm obsessed with the game. I'm just trying to improve every day and learn from those guys. So, um, I'm feeling really good.
0: Of course, Sean Sean Roy Phillips wasn't the only guy in training over the last couple of weeks. We, we've seen photos of Terry Henry coming and taking a little kick around uh, with the club as he's been back in New York. Have you been able to interact with him one-on-one? Has he been able to give you any pointers about improving your game?
2: Yeah, no, he's uh, he's been a great guy to have around. Um, obviously, it was only for a short amount of time, um, but you know, he's he's such a great presence for for our team to, to have in the locker room and, um, when he's training out there, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, but yeah, we haven't spoken as much as we did last year, but he's been extremely friendly. Um, you know, we caught up a little bit, but, but nothing too specific really just, um, general hello. So, um, nothing too much on that front, but just having him around is a great influence on, on a lot of the young guys. I know that we really appreciate him coming in the train, you know, taking time out of his day, um, to come back to the club and and get it back in that way, in that regard. So, um, you know, just having him around is enough for me, you know.
1: Sean, before we let you go, uh, have to look forward to this weekend. Team heads to Chester Saturday evening to take on Philly. Is there any element of revenge? Are you ready to get back to work and and start playing some more games?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, they obviously obviously beat us in the Open Cup and, and the game before that, so... Uh we, we need to make some adjustments, be a little sharper in the in the in the boxes and, and go from there. But I'm really confident in the in the guys and the way that they've prepared this, this last week. You know, I missed a couple of days of training but um, you know, even today the guys are really hungry, really sharp, really motivated and um we're looking to build off that win in Orlando which I think was huge for us. So um you know, we're really looking forward to it. I'm really, really happy with where the team's at. I know The guys are going to be up for it. They're going to show up, and and they're going to be as hungry as ever. So I think it's going to be a great game.
0: Sean Davis wears number 27 for the New York Red Bulls. Sean, it's been absolutely a pleasure speaking to you. I know that all the Red Bull fans are going to be rooting for you and watching you very closely during your rookie season and beyond. Best of luck, and perhaps we'll speak to you again as uh, the playoffs approach.
2: Yes, let's do this again. Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: Your emails and calls after this. It's Seeing Red. We'll be right back. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup, Mark Fishkin, Dan Dickinson. Wow, Sean Davis, what a terrific chat. It, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to players uh, like Sean who have been – I mean, this is the model, folks. It's – Come to the Academy, show that you're, you're full of promise, uh, learn the Red Bull way, go away to college, stay in touch. He won the NPSL Championship last year uh, with the U23s, who are in, by the way, the PDL Final Four, which uh, starts on Friday, the 31st, in Seattle, Um Terrific. We, we're really rooting for Sean. All the best. Um, we usually do a whole host of listener emails and voicemails because we went so long... With the um, with the midseason awards, we're going we're gonna to keep it very tight and do three quick emails, and then uh, we'll send you on your way. Here's Jeff in Queens. Mark and Dan, the Red Bulls' second half schedule is favorable. They have only one West Coast trip remaining and three matches left to get the last place Chicago. What I'd really like to see is the Red Bulls finish in a top-two spot in the East, so they're guaranteed by going into the getting-hot-at-the-right-time playoffs. Simply making the playoffs is not enough at this point. Currently, New York is the second-highest points per game in the East, and with SWP and Gonzalo Verone now in the picture, they should at very least stay the same course. Is expecting a top-two finish asking too much, or am I being fair, Jeff Goldstein and Queens? Thoughts, sir? I, I
1: think it is asking too much because it's not just about the Red Bulls. You've got to look at the rest yes. of the East, and I think you know the, there's this East versus West dynamic that comes up a lot, uh, especially arguing with fans on social media, and I think a number of teams in the East are a little underrated. Um, you've got Toronto. What can you say about Giovenko? The, the guy is phenomenal. phenomenal. Any team would be happy to have him.
0: MVP. Columbus MVP
1: has Ty who's leading the Golden Boot race, and Ethan Finley, who's leading the league in assists. You know, you mm-hmm. cannot count Columbus out. DC has been struggling a little bit, which I'm sure nobody listening to the show is going to feel terribly heartbroken about. But nope. they have it in them. They just picked up Sapporio. You know, they, they've got talent, and they can string together points. And who else? The Revs, the Revs went on a crazy losing streak last year and then rebounded like crazy at the end of the year. Um, and you've got these outside factors. You've got Orlando. You've got the blue team. Um, I'm not going to really get my hopes up about Philly or Chicago, but, you know, Montreal's got a bunch of games in hand, too. So the, yeah. the East is wide open, and it would be good to finish second so you don't hit that play-in game. Um, that can be one and done, but I, it it may be too high of an expectation given how much turnover and change this team has had this year. But it's possible. Yeah,
0: it's possible. They do have a favorable schedule, though, statistically. And um, they, they do have four games in hand on D.C. currently. That, that does help four a games. lot.
1: But, but one thing to keep in mind that I don't think a lot of people know, the league very intentionally schedules the year so that, Everybody should be done with their out of conference games yes. going into the final month because yes. they want everything in conference for the last month, so and it tight. all matters to the playoff race. Yep. So yep. every other team in the East is going to have most of their games coming up against decent conference
0: teams. Yeah. Obviously, New York City has improved their roster with Pierlo. I don't know if. Uh Lampard ever shows, but frankly, Montreal with Drogba is going to be a bear. They're the only team in East that have games in hand on New York, and they only have one game in hand on New I York, think, and they're five points. I think behind. you
1: mean Lapmard?
0: <laughs> Go, Frank Lapmard. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you, Jeff. New York. Must be a playoff team. They must be. And they have the talent to be a playoff team. Um, The question is, can they make up ground on D.C.? Uh, But I would say that shooting for the second spot is certainly where they should be aligning their sights. Here's Eric Freelander. It's Eric from South Orange, New Jersey. Represent. I want to talk about SWP. It seems many people are ready to slot him into the starting lineup. However, I feel that he'll be a new piggy. Sure, he will get starts, but I see him as a veteran who can contribute off the bench and in the occasional start, with the new signing Verone being rumored to play anywhere from C.A.M. to wide midfield, and the, in-form Grela, uh, the form Grella is in, Sean is not going to be the instant start of any projected. Thanks for reading my email. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely, and as we said in the first segment, um, Jesse Marsh told Grella that it was his job to lose. Now, you have to believe that a guy like Grella is going to work incredibly hard to hold on to that starting spot. However, it's, there's no guarantee that a player with the quality of Sean Wright Phillips in MLS is going to be able to win that from him. When you, when you look down the stretch, New York has one, two, three, four, five Wednesday matches in their last, ten, in their last 15 games. So there will, should be times where you're going to see uh, Sean Wright Phillips get the start up top, and it's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. Um, because they are going to have to turn three games in nine days, uh, once three games in eight days, once starting September first. They go at Philly, at Montreal, and then home for NYC. So if there's a time to actually show, it, uh, it may be you know some of those midweek matches. Um, so I would definitely keep that in mind. Anything to add? Uh,
1: the one name that we haven't mentioned at all on this show that yeah. that might also be a little expendable. We mentioned Dave Martinez. Ba-dum-bum. I thought you didn't know who that is. Um, Anatolia you know, mm. He does start up top occasionally with Bradley sitting behind him or off to the left. That, you know, That's a position that maybe Sean can fit into, but we'll see.
0: All right. The winner of this week's Seeing Red Prize, which is four lower bowl tickets as well as field passes before the game, is Mario Ramilio. who writes, Greetings, Mark and Dan. With a third of the season left... I might like half. It seems like we've made some nice additions to the squad. SWP and Verona will undoubtedly help. We've gone from being thin on the wings to, where are we going to play all these guys? Ah, the life of a Red Bulls fan. The complaints seem to be raining down from social media and message boards that we have too many players and so little spots for them to play. Things are being said like, Grella doesn't deserve to sit, and what do we do with Felipe now? Depth is good, says Mario. It's how teams go to the next level. There have to be options available on the squad to make a difference, whether as an impact sub or a start to keep a fresh squad through rotation. Yeah, Grella, Zizo, Felipe, uh, Felipe, Abang will be affected, but this is how all good teams deal with their roster. These guys want to start? Keep making the most of your opportunities whenever they come. The new guys have to prove themselves to get minutes as well, you know. I love the moves the FO has made. Bravo, guys. Now go tear it up. Go Metro Mario from Section 201. I uh, agree with your sentiment. Um, Obviously, when Verone is officially announced, if and when he is announced, it will be a a terrific signing for New York, assuming he is a player that uh, will come in, will understand the team, will understand his role in the team, and as we know, as we've talked about on the show, players don't just click in and immediately start producing, I guess unless you're pure low and you're playing an atrocious Orlando defense. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, it will be exciting to see, and yeah, you're going to have tough uh, questions to answer in training. If you recall, there was a time where Tim Cahill was not starting for this team. And, uh, you know, earning it on the practice field is what it's going to be all about for the Red Bulls. Sir? Uh, couldn't yet? have
1: said it better. It's it's going to be interesting to see. I think you're right in the earlier comments that with a bunch of three-game week coming Three game weeks coming up. The team's got to cash in those games in hand. The rotation's going to be more critical. If everybody can play in the same system and bring something, then it will pay off very well. And if a couple of guys falter or they you know lose their sharpness or there's an injury, yeah, you, know, you need that depth. You can't compete without depth in this league, especially when you get to the playoffs.
0: And just to just to reiterate where the East lays out spots two through nine are nine points apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Nine points. So with 15 games to play, it really is anybody's race. I, for one, don't believe there are four teams that are better than the New York Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference.
1: Or five. I
0: real, or five, yes. I guess it really matters that they're... Right, five. So um, I think New York is definitely a playoff team, as we talked about. I, I think it's really all going to be about going for, uh, for that first round bye. Uh, next week is going to be a funny week. Um, real Life is going to intervene for me. Dan, are you going to be around? I think so. We'll see. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens with Seeing Red next week. If not next week, we'll be back the week after for sure. Or maybe there'll be some other people in our seats. Who knows? I'd like to thank Sean Davis uh, for stopping by the show. I would like to thank everyone that contributed to our first ever Seeing Red Mid-Season Awards. I'd like to thank Dan, and I'd like to thank you for listening. So we'll be back soon, folks. Um, Thanks again for listening to this edition of Seeing Red. Good night, everyone. (laughs) This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.